welcome to another episode of our Encouraging Abilities podcast. I am your host, Evan Kelly, Communications Manager here at DDA. Now, over the past few episodes, we've been talking about accessibility, and not just for people with developmental disabilities, but for anyone really who needs adaptive technology or even big changes to the world around them. Now, the thing is that it's likely at some point going to include each and every one of us as we get older. So it's not just people who have been injured or people with developmental disabilities. Accessibility, accessibility issues can affect us all. Now we've talked with accessibility authors, lawyers, and design consultants, and today we're talking with Dr. Jamie Borisov. Now he directs research out at BCIT and UBC here in the Lower Mainland. Now he has one of those resumes and levels of education that are really off the charts. You've got to listen to some of this. He's the former Canadian Research Chair, Rehabilitation Engineering Design at BCIT, adjunct professor, Department of Occupational Science and Occupational Therapy, at the Faculty of Medicine, that's all at UBC, uh, Director of Make Plus Applied Re- Research Group, that's again at BCIT. He's got a PhD in Neuroscience and a Bachelor of Science in Engineering Physics. I mean, it's just quite a list. So uh, Dr. Borisov focuses his research on people with spinal cord injuries and other mobility issues. Uh, one focus of his work is on expanding people's ability to interact more fully with others, the environment, and their world. In the long term, Dr. Borisov wants to merge current models, like wheelchairs, for example, with newer technologies like robotics in order to increase the ways in which technology can improve the lives of people with spinal cord injuries. So thank you for joining us today, Doctor. Um, It's a pleasure, Evan. It's great to be here. So what got you interested in this kind of work and research? Well, I'll make uh, no no bones about it. This is this is a lot of this is coming from my own uh, personal experiences. I am a wheelchair user myself. I have a spinal cord injury um, from a car accident over 30 years ago, and really ever since that event, um, and, and kind of I guess due to the nature of the way I think about things, and you know, being kind of an engineer at heart, I always started thinking about uh, problem solving various little aspects of my life that uh, were more difficult than it was before the injury. Now, were you an engineer first before your accident? Uh, no, I was in first year university actually, or just after that. So I was um, mulling over at that time what what exactly to do, what to, exactly to major in. And I had a few few thoughts about that. And um, I, I, I did migrate towards engineering in the end. Um, and that was the right decision. I'd always been, you know, someone that tinkered and took things apart. I always took my bike apart or radios apart and that sort of thing as a, as a kid. So it was kind of a natural uh, place for me to go. So that was 30 years ago when you started your education. And, you know, obviously things have, you know, changed in that time. How much better in, in terms of schools, in terms of students accessing schools, how much better has it gotten? Great question, Evan. It's gotten a, a lot better um, in, in some ways. And in some ways, actually, we're um, a bit further behind. And let, let me explain what I mean by that. If we go back over 30 years ago, um, this was shortly after Rick Hansen's Man in Motion tour and all the visibility and awareness he brought to spinal cord injury and wheelchair access and general accessibility and disability. Vancouver is also a relatively new city compared to older cities, say in Quebec or in Europe. Um, and so we were you know, ahead of the game. Um, that being said, I was a student at UBC. It's a big campus, has a lot of old buildings. There was a lot of access challenges, a lot of, um, a lot of service entrances, a lot of back doors, um, a lot of 
um, working with the registrar's office to move classes into accessible uh, buildings. But they were accommodating and, and they got it done. Then around that time as well, in the U.S., um, as, as you're probably aware of and, and your listeners are, are, are maybe probably aware of, the American with Dis Disabilities Act, uh, the ADA was passed. Uh, and when I think about some of my travels around that time, you know, again, Vancouver was ahead of the game. But then over the next few decades, the U.S., um, almost everywhere in the U.S. became accessible. Uh, if I think about going to a, a hotel in, in, in the United States, every hot tub, every pool has a, a lift into it, for instance. Um, almost every, you know, building is accessible. Yeah. And, and it got that way because of the, the ADA and the litigious nature of it and the teeth it had in it. And, the, and the, I'm sure there was a lot of innocent bystanders along the way, but in the end, it, it created a, a pretty accessible society. Um, and so I think in that, in that regard, we've been passed by actually in a lot of ways. And, you know, we can have a new, a new restaurant here in Vancouver, for instance, which again, should be way ahead of the game, given everything we do and where we're coming from. It may not have uh, a table that's accessible. It might have only high tables in it, for instance, which just strikes me as being bizarre how they can get a liquor license or a, a business license to do that. So um, we, we still have ways to go. Yeah, I mean, it's when you meant, when you talk about that, I was out recently with a friend of mine who does uh, use a wheelchair, and uh, we were at a, a local club. And he got in to do some photography in the front entrance, no problem. And then we looked around out the back, and it's nothing but stairs, you know. So there's, it seems like there's places that need to be fixed or need to be addressed. Like, do you see us? You still see too much of that, in particular in Vancouver? Yeah, a little bit too much of it. And you know what? I'm, I'm being, I'm being picky. I think a little bit. Again, I think back 30 years ago, and I was, if I was going to go to a restaurant um, that I didn't know, I would. I would phone ahead quite often and said, hey, are there going to be access issues? Can, are there stairs? Is there a bathroom? That sort of thing. So I never do that anymore. Occasionally it backfires, um, but it's pretty rare now. So you know, we certainly we've, we've made some uh, impressive strides, but it, now I think we're getting, um, you know, we want to get that last 10% basically, and, and there's probably a lot of work to be done still to, to achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you find the perspectives of people with disabilities mission, missing in the engineering field? Um, yeah. If I think of the wheelchair companies I've interacted with um, over the years, and I know many of them now, I've interacted with many at, at trade shows and, and, and conferences. Um, I've visited several of them. There's not many wheelchairs with disabilities um, in, in those offices. I was at a, a local wheelchair company about 15 years ago that wasn't accessible. Actually, their office wasn't accessible. So that, that's kind of a, <laughs> an interesting example. Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Make Plus, let me just go back up, the Make Plus Applied Research Group that you're out there at UBC, or sorry, BCIT? Sure. Um, Make Plus is a group of applied researchers, there's about 15 of, um, 15 of us. I direct them now. It's something that I recently took over. Um, that I'm proud to say that I, I recently had the opportunity to, to pick on. And we have a mandate from BCIT and the province of BC to interact with local industries, uh, local companies, and also um, other academic groups, say at UBC or SFU, and we have collaborations actually across Canada for that matter. And we collaborate on applied research projects 
so we think about a company, a smaller company that perhaps doesn't have an R&D group. Maybe they don't have a, a, a group of engineers um, or perhaps specialized equipment or the resources to pull off some sort of R&D project. That's where we come in. We'll partner with them. We have an industrial designer, so we can design and prototype um, pretty much anything. Now, how many of those type of um, uh, projects did get to the market? I'm just look, looking on the website right now. You've got this little doggy in his in his a uh, dog wheelchair, and some of this, some of that, obviously has has uh, a reach. So, is, is is the design the idea of this to to put things into market? Absolutely, that's the the goal. And given our focus with partnering with industry. Um, and we're talking about for-profit companies that you know, have employees, they have uh, um, revenue targets, they have uh, a profit aspirations, right? They are only doing their R&D projects to, um, to, to further their business interests. And, um, of course, many of them are doing things to make a difference in people's lives, too. We do many medical device projects, for instance, in that regard. So, you know, we've had a lot of great success um, with, you know, being able to be part of uh, projects that have led directly to products that are in the market now. You were involved in developing the Elevation wheelchair. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, that's, that's right. That's something I, I started doing actually in grad school uh, before I came to BCIT, but it certainly overlapped with some of my BCIT work as well. And that was a project uh, uh, whereby I was dissatisfied with my current technology that I had available to me that I could purchase in the marketplace. I'm a manual wheelchair user. Um, I didn't like necessarily what I was being offered. I had some ideas and I went ahead and designed a wheelchair to, um, to kind of satisfy what I wanted out of a manual wheelchair. Is it, is it an electric wheel, like a wheelchair? Is it something that, that raises by itself or is it something that where, I mean, if, you, if the, your legs are the problem that you can like pump it up with your arms kind of thing. Yeah, more of the latter. So it, it's, it's completely a manual wheelchair. And so let me tell you a little bit about the sure. a, a bit of the motivation behind it. Um, as, as you, you know, you listeners probably know, um, if you can think of a, a manual wheelchair, a, a person in the community in their manual wheelchair, it has a fixed seat. It's around, um, you know, a typical height of a, a, a chair in the community. You can get under tables, um, they're, they're now the modern ones are very lightweight, they're easy to push, they're maneuverable. They work really well in, in, in those regards. But there's a couple of, of things that they don't do well. And, and one of them is um, if you think about a, a, a sport wheelchair, for instance, this is a, a wheelchair that you might use for racing, or in my case, I, I played wheelchair basketball. So I played for Team Canada. That's a whole other story, but I can tell you about that later. Um, but in playing basketball at high level, I would sit differently than I would every day. I was sitting much lower. I was in a better position to have good balance and to be able to um, exert force on my wheels to go faster and these sort of things. Um, and I found it much easier to push that chair than my daily chair. Uh, at the same time, when I was in grad school, I had to work at countertops in the lab. And so I had to, to get up higher. And I was fortunate enough to be able to um, use a standing wheelchair this is a wheelchair that stands you completely upright. Hmm. But those are big, they're bulky, they're cumbersome, they're not lightweight, you can't throw them in your car easy. Um, and I also found that I wasn't standing usually at all in it. I was using it at you know halfway kind of at a countertop height, mm -hmm. which I found very useful. 
And so my design goal and thought process was, well, can I get the best of both worlds? Can I get up to countertop heights? Can I get up to partial standing? And then can I get down into a low, um, aggressive uh, wheeling position to, to wheel around the community a little easier? And that, that design uh, thought process led to the elevation wheelchair, which um, is a, a ultralight wheelchair. It's lightweight. It's, it, it pushes really well, um, but it lets you, you know, get into these two more extreme uh, sitting positions. Now, is that on the market today? It is, yeah. It's uh, on the market. It's made in by a, a group called PDG Mobility. Um, they manufacture it and distribute it around the world. Do you own the the, the, the patent to that? That's that's correct. Yes, I have a, I have a, a several patents for it that that PDG uh, now controls, and um, that that's and I, I consult for them still, and so that there's a a bit of disclosure there, and that uh, um, as well that I I do get paid for some of the sales of, of those mm -hmm. chairs. Mm -hmm. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> now, that brings me to the, to the next question. Is that an expensive wheelchair for people to get? It is an expensive chair. And unfortunately, anytime where you're doing something different, that's a bit out of the, the norm. That's kind of a, um, a bit different from a, a typical line item, so to speak, in a, in a, in a funding um, matrix. It, it, it is more expensive. And that's, you know, one of the challenges uh, marketing something like this uh, to the broader population mm -hmm. in different jurisdictions in North America and around the world for that matter. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's, that's seems to be one of the, uh, uh, the uh, sticking points for the disability community is that people generally don't understand that there's all this added cost when you've got these disabilities. Absolutely. The, the, yeah. And I've, you know, being in, at academic institutions and, and speaking to engineers and students and uh, many people, there's this kind of um, notion that a manual wheelchair is kind of like a bicycle and they're, they're kind of both made out of tubular metal welded together, aluminum or steel or something like that. And why are they wheelchairs so expensive compared to, um, you know, a bike you can buy at, at Walmart or something like that. And, mm -hmm. Um, and that we probably don't have time to get into it, but there's a lot of reasons for that. And it is a medical product. There's, uh, you know, prescribers, there's funders, there's, there's all sorts of, uh, it, it's customized quite often. It's fit, fitted to the person. There's all sorts of good reasons why it is more expensive and it's relatively low volume compared to a consumer product like a bike. So, um, and you're, you're exactly right. It is difficult for people that don't have good funding sources and good insurance plans. And, and we think of Canada as being, you know, a fairly flat society in terms of people having access to the same things. And well, that's unfortunately not true. In, no, it's not. In this regard, it's it's really uh, how you ended up with your disability and um, how that came to be. And and there are haves and have nots, not unfortunately, in our industry. Yeah, and it's, you know, that's a, obviously a huge concern. So how do we make these kind of devices more affordable for everyone who needs it? Well, we... We hopefully keep innovating and keep expanding, and um, and things hopefully get cheaper over time. And uh, unfortunately, that hasn't happened with our chair. It hasn't, you know, never had got the volumes up where that that happens. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that, I think. But I think uh, as on a, on the whole, these types of wheelchairs have gotten cheaper, or I should say, the quality has gone up, and the price has stayed the same. Over the years, if I think back, you know, what I could get now compared to what I could have over 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So that that's certainly happened. Quality's gone up. Um, 
but yeah, you know, the prices can can get really difficult. Then. And now what we're seeing in the market, we're seeing carbon fiber and titanium and some more exotics materials being used again, like like the bike industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about, you know, say a mountain bike, you can spend you know nine hundred dollars on a mountain bike, or you can spend nine thousand dollars on a mountain oh, bike. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, or, or more if you want. And so our industry is not dissimilar in that regard. You know, we've been talking about sort of that that prevailing attitude in society. I mean, I think that people sometimes people. Um, don't understand even the emotional connection but for someone who uses a wheelchair. Um, you may have seen in the news a lot lately about this young lady uh, whose wheelchair was damaged, even lately lost by airlines. Um, do you see general attitudes and policies improving for people with limited mobility or is it still an uphill battle? Well, that's that's an interesting question. I've been in that situation myself, I've had a chair damaged. I've had a chair lost temporarily only. Uh, I don't think I've ever had it more than a few hours or a day um, without it. But uh, I do sympathize with with that. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 a it's a tricky problem, um, and I, I understand why these things make the news when they happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And but I guess at the same time we. You know, I do understand that this is something that is not as common as probably as as we think it is in terms of you know people taking these high-end wheelchairs on planes. You're sure it happens every day, but I'm sure not every um, airport and every airline deals with it every day. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate, and and it 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 has you know what what does it come down to? It probably comes down to training and awareness and understanding that. Again, these things aren't a, a set of golf clubs that no. maybe a businessman is taking on a on a, on a business trip, right? Um, it's literally an extension of the person, and exactly how do how do we how do we get that across, right? That this that these require more care and more attention, and um, it's it's a tricky thing to to navigate. Now, uh, are there any other newer designs or projects that um, Make Plus is working on right now? There are always interesting things we're working on. That's that's a short answer. Um, <laughs> I can speak about a couple in my own my own lab. You mentioned that I'm the former Canada Research Chair in Rehabilitation Engineering Design. Um, I was doing that before I became director of Make Plus, but I was doing it in parallel with with that group and with many researchers in that group. And that work is still continuing. We're, we're still going after federal funding um, to continue uh, much of that work. And we have two broad categories of of research going on. Under, under that stream. And, and one of them is around wheelchairs and wheelchair mobility. We're getting really interested in electric assist. If you think about what we see locally now and certainly around the world about e-bikes, how um, how that's exploding mm-hmm. with, with bike paths and that sort of thing. Well, we're seeing a lot of really cool products now coming into the manual wheelchair market. Um, I'm not even talking about power wheelchairs. That's a whole other um, area that we, we could delve into. But in terms of manual wheelchairs, we're seeing about products that can be attached to manual wheelchairs or, or wheels that can be um, that can be uh, electric now, just like an e-bike. And really seeing now this hybrid uh, approach to, to manual wheelchairs. And we're doing a lot of work in that regard, especially having a goal to get people into uh, more inaccessible areas. And by that, I mean, say, off-road, say, trails, um, mm-hmm. Think about our, our 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 parks and forests, and beaches, for instance. And 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 then whenever I talk about this with with other people, they say, "What about the rest of Canada that has this thing called snow?" 
<laughs> yeah. and, and, and we can all imagine how difficult snow is with wheelchairs. And oh, I, I know it is. I'm being facetious, but um, we don't think about it quite as much here in the lower mainland. But uh, in the rest of Canada and certainly the rest of BC, for that matter, um, snow and wheelchairs uh, do not mix well together. And, and so we have a lot of interest in how um, in a power assist and, and different components attaching to manual wheelchairs can help with that. Well, that sounds that sounds really good. Um, it's kind of a double-barreled question. Um, have you seen much change in the push for accessibility in your field uh, in terms of education? And is there a growing student body in this area of research? Are you getting a lot of students wanting to get involved with accessible engineering or accessibility engineering? Yes, is the short answer. We have. We, we, there's always been, I think, great interest in. In, in this area, it's um, it, you know it, it, it's creative. Um, people you can really put their engineering hat on and, and, and think about their studies and, and really apply it. Uh, there's this you know very uh, real notion of you're helping people uh, directly if you can make a difference in that regard. Unfortunately, the 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 other tale here though is that we are a relatively small industry, and so if we train young students. Uh, engineers to be specifically specialized in say assistive technology or wheelchair design um, they're going to have trouble finding jobs there's only a handful of, of um, engineering jobs in wheelchair companies in Canada for instance mm -hmm. it's I don't know what the number is but it's it's probably under 50 um, you know Canada-wide which is you know, a relatively small number locally here it's you know probably less than 10. So how do you how do you train a bunch of engineers to want to become better wheelchair designers and and not have jobs for them to go to? That's I guess at the, so, the end of the day it's still a niche market no matter what. In the end, exactly, it's still a relatively small market again compared to you know broader consumer products, right? And so what we try to do is engage people in our work, our research, our projects, um, but hopefully they're getting a well-rounded kind of experience that they can apply to anything. And so, so we do a lot of work around you know, engaging the end user, for instance, when, when you have a, a student doing a project, maybe they may have an idea about, hey, this would be a great uh, feature on a manual wheelchair, for instance. But before we let them just go ahead and do that, we say, well, maybe you should ask a bunch of people in, in manual wheelchairs to see what they think first. Is um, So we kind of want to get away from the uh, solution looking for a problem and, and focus on the, the problems people have and, and getting the engineers the students to to engage with them and understand the problem before they go out and try to make um, better better solutions. Because mm -hmm. that that can be then applied to to anything, any problem. Well, for sure. Now we've been talking a lot about wheelchairs and obviously a limited mobility with legs. Are you working on any projects that that help the upper part of the body if someone's got limited arm mobility? We we don't do a lot uh, directly in our lab, but what one area we do a lot. We are doing a lot of work in that touches on that, and that's general exercise. We're doing quite a bit with adaptive exercise equipment. Hmm. Uh, if you go to a local gym and you're a wheelchair user, you'll find um, generally a lack of options about different um, machines you can use, different cardiovascular machines, um, like elliptical machines or, 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 or exercise bikes or treadmills and all the different options that people have. Uh, so we did one recent project, which is quite quite interesting, and in this is a really collaboration with researchers from SFU, UBC, and BCIT, where we made um, rowing machines, a couple different types. There's a there's a stand up rowing machine called a 
a ski ergometer and there's just your conventional rowing machine where you sit down on a on, on a small seat and and use your legs and, and to, to row back and forth because um, these are common machines that we see all over the place but they're not very friendly for wheelchair users so we did a project with with this group of collaborators to make it um, more wheelchair accessible so that you could just wheel up to a, a machine not have to get off your chair to get mm-hmm. into a say a small seat but you could just wheel up to it um, make a few uh, adjustments to this um, this this support bracket that we have that that um, it's almost like an amusement park where you hop you hop into your amusement park seat and you bring down a a, a securement device to, on your lap, for instance, so you don't fall out. Um, that, that's an analogy. Only you're not going to fall out of your chair rowing, but um, but it gives you the support so you can come up easily and start rowing and getting a great cardiovascular workout really quickly. Well, that sounds really um, cool. Yeah, it is, and we've actually have several of these machines out there in the community now. I believe there's about 14 or 15 sites across Canada that have these machines now. Wow, um, we call it um, the A-Row, the Adapted Rowing Machine, and the AC, the Adapted Skiing Machine. Um, so, you, you know, your listeners can look for those uh, Absolutely. around town. So, just a couple more questions here for you. What are what are some of the biggest challenges you've had to face um, when it comes to this, this line of work and designing and getting stuff to the market? It's the last part of your question. It's uh, getting stuff to market. That's that's always the biggest challenge, and uh, I'm not alone in that. Um, you can almost ask anybody that that wants to make a better widget, um, <laughs> you know, make better assistive technology is is easier to do than it is to uh, deliver it into the community in in a way that other people can get access to it. Um, you said it a couple times, I think, in this this conversation about um, ultimately this is a niche market. That is certainly the case with assistive technology across the board. So there's not a whole lot of um, pull coming from industry to 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 create you know new 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 products, new innovation. Um, we're not the tech industry um, in Silicon Valley, for instance. That mm-hmm. um, you know that would be the you know the gold standard i guess about innovation and how to get getting things to market um we have you know hundreds of users dozens of users or hundreds of users you know occasionally thousands of users uh, for certain devices only um depending on the device and that that is always the trick and we are always struggling with how to do that more effectively Mm -hmm. and how can general organizations like dda better serve the disability community from your perspective I think things like you're doing right now, Evan, um, awareness and education. I think about the the one the great example I've been involved with for a long time now, this elevation wheelchair, um, which was developed locally here on the Lower Mainland. I will still all meet people in in, the, in my own community that have not never seen this chair, that have you know maybe purchased two wheelchairs in, in ten years and have never been shown it by a by a therapist or by a dealer. Really? Um, and I understand that they've been shown it, they tried it, they want to, and it wasn't right for them. They didn't feel it was right for them. But it, it, sometimes it's just getting that um, that knowledge and that awareness of, of options and w- what types of uh, products are out there. It's, it's again, easier said than done. And so that's always been a challenge. It's a challenge in sports as well, I think. And um, I, I've been involved with wheelchair basketball for, you know, for over 30 years. And... Um, Again, there's people that have been in chairs that have been active that don't know about the opportunities that you can have in, in adaptive sport, for instance. 
and all the different programs. And it's just, you know, getting that message across as, as well as possible is, is at least, um, I guess, the low-hanging fruit that we can all do a better job of. Absolutely. Well, I think that about wraps it up for another edition of DDA's Encouraging Abilities podcast. Our guest today has been Dr. Jamie Borisoff, uh, Director of Make Plus, British Columbia Institute of Technology. Uh, we've been chatting about technology to help create a more accessible world for people with spinal cord injuries. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Borisov. Thanks, Evan. It was a pleasure talking to you.